Hello, everyone. So we are starting a new series. I'm sorry to the people behind the pillar. I do tend to wander, so don't worry. Um, you, will, you will see me or not see me. Some of you maybe have purposely sat behind the pillar so that you don't have to look, but I'm sorry, I will be wandering up and down. So this is our brand new series that we're starting today called Life Coaching, and that is Life Coach Larry. That is his name. He's cool, right? Who wouldn't want him life coaching you? Uh, so over the next few uh, months, actually, we're going through a number of subjects, and these are some of them. So the premise is, how do we live life to the full? And these uh, coming up now are some of the subjects that we will be covering over the next few months. We'll just leave them up there for a moment. We've got, um, they're in no particular order other than the first one, but cost, prayer, worship, Bible. So creating space for silence and solitude. <laughs> silence, some people, some of you, my word. This could be a struggle. Outside voices, that's like podcasts and books and who are we listening to and who's helping to shape us. Journaling and personal growth. Um, meeting together, volunteering, giving of our time, energy, our money. A Sabbath. Ooh, a Sabbath. Discovering destiny and calling, dealing with our past. Resisting temptation, living a simple, uncluttered life, and forgiveness. There are some stonkers in there. We are going to take a small break when Nicola Neal comes in November. We're not going to give her one of those. Instead, we are just going to ask her to speak freely of what she ever, whatever she feels the Lord is saying to us. Um, we're stopping for three for Christmas, and then one the very beginning of January. Other than that, we're, we're talking about life coaching all the way through till March. And today we have this subject. I had someone drop by yesterday and uh, they, they come here fairly often and I said to them, oh, we're starting this new series. Yeah, I saw that. I said, I said number one, cost. This person went like this. <sighs> I said, yeah, yeah, too right. Brace yourself. Honestly, today's talk is tough. These, some of the bits of the Bible I'm going to cover today are the bits, you know those Bibles you get that come with a free bottle of Tipex? Mm, yeah, some of those bits I'm covering today, you're like, oh, that's not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know is like this. And like, yeah, and he said some of the things that we're going to look at today. So let's get started. You might want a notepad, actually, because there's going to be all kinds of Bible verses coming. And um, just to encourage you, you may want to listen back to this uh, later on. Five words to start. God is not our hobby. Let's get started. God is not our hobby. Jesus, in Matthew 13, is described as the pearl of great price. It says a person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field and upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so that he could get the treasure. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. If ever you hear it described as the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of God, you're probably listening to the book of Matthew. And again, Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls when he discovered one very previous 
no, sorry, when he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Those two verses follow each other. So a person finds, dig, is digging up a field, finds this incredible treasure, reburies it, goes and finds the owner of the field, gives up everything they have to be able to pay for it, the field, and they gave up everything just so that they could find that pearl, just so that that pearl would be theirs. And it's like a jewel merchant who finds one incredibly precious and exquisite pearl. So he immediately gave up all he had. Wow. And God says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So here's, um, here's a tricky question. How much is God worth to you? We've just heard of two people, albeit in stories, but we've just heard of two people who'd be willing to give up everything for God. What would you be willing to give up to go after him? I remember uh, when Nicola Neal visited last November, and we are really thrilled that she's coming again this November. When she came last November, she ended up telling us a story of where God had given her a very difficult word to give to people, like a, a message. And it was this, the poor are not a fashion accessory. And in the same vein, I felt as I went through this and in preparation to say God is not our fashion accessory, characterized by car stickers or a cross round our necks. He is more than our moral compass. He is more than our attendance at church or giving to charity or helping an old lady across the road. All those things are good. He wants to be our everything in the same way that we are his everything. It's gone very quiet in here. Jesus said this, Jesus, meek and mild, long flowing blonde locks, white flowing robe. He just put his guitar down from singing Kumbaya and he said this, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Huh? I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses or lays down their life for my sake will find it, said Jesus. Uncomfortable, right? Very. Let's just deal with a couple of things in here. First of all, do not suppose I've come to bring, um, I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't. I've come to bring a sword. Well, hang on a minute. We sing at Christmas about him being the Prince of Peace. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah. So that's a few hundred years before. Um, God raised up someone who was his spokesperson on earth, a chap called Isaiah. And he said this, that, that the Messiah, that's Jesus, would be, he should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, ever, like I can't do it without hearing um, Handel's Messiah in my head. Um, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, of peace. 
And Jesus is now saying, don't suppose I've come to bring peace. Okay, so let's understand the context of what he's saying because this feels like it's, you know, he's got his wires a bit crossed here. Jesus absolutely did come to bring peace, to reconcile us to God. The division that was in the way between us and God, Jesus dealt with, so there is now nothing in between us and God. There is nothing blocking us, okay? So that is the peace he brought. But what this passage is all about, the context of this is he's sending out the 12 for the first time, he's sending out the 12. And he's saying, right, you've seen me do this stuff, you go and do it. Preach the good news, heal people, deliver them of demons, blah, 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 and so on, and gives them this list. And then he goes on to say, don't expect to be favorably received because you probably won't be in a lot of places because the message I bring polarizes people. This is my paraphrase of this passage you understand. It polarizes people. People are either pushed into, yeah, I love Jesus, oh no. And this is what he's saying. And he actually says, do you know what, if you're ending up, if you're really wanting to be for me, but actually you've got someone over here who isn't really for me, and do you know what, I, oh, I don't really want to stick my neck out, I'm just going to stay over here. He then says, you're not worthy of me. Ouch. I don't know how many times I have compromised. And I'm not even a massive compromiser. There are so many times I've compromised. So many. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow, can we find a more cheery passage? This is horrible. I like the, I will be with you always, even until the very end of the age. And those things, my peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I don't give you peace as the world. Give some of these like smiley ones. I like those ones. Let's move on. See, the point is, Jesus isn't saying you're not allowed to love your family. <laughs> he's, not he's not saying you're not allowed to have other interests. He's really leaning into this. Everything that is worth something costs something. You know that, right? Because every time you go to a shop, there is a value that has been placed on an item. And so if it's, if it's got a value, it's going to cost you something to get that thing. Yeah? Do you understand what I mean? So like you go to buy a car, that car has an inherent value. There are costs that have been built up and then however much percentage is added on and blah, 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 it has a value. Now what normally happens is you will ascribe a value to something and if that matches, you want to buy something at 50 quid and you think, that's well worth 50 quid to me and you happen to have 50 quid, you'll probably buy it. But it might be that you see something that's 50 quid and to you, you think, well, I'm not going to use it often. It's not really worth 50 to me. It's probably only worth, I don't know, 30. Well, in that case, you'll wait till it comes into the sales at 30, etc. So everything has this value. And Jesus really is saying this. Everything that is worth something is going to cost something. And he's saying, I'm worth everything. It's going to cost you everything. In fact, the more value something has, of course, the more it will cost you. Almost anything that we ever want to improve is going to cost us something. Losing weight is going to cost you food. Right? I've heard that the best exercise you can possibly do to get fit and lose weight 
is this. When someone offers you food, you turn your head one way, and then you turn it the other, and then you turn it back that way, and then back that way. Like, wow, it's really hard. It's really hard. If you want to get better at a musical instrument or sport or breaking an addiction or training for a marathon, it is going to cost you. Who ever wants to climb a mountain by being airlifted to the top? No one's interested. There's something about the cost that makes us appreciate it more and more. So Jesus is saying that if we want to partake, there's an unusual word, if we want to have some of his nature, to feel him, to know his love, strength, power and grace coursing through our veins day after day, he has to become our focus and our preoccupation. He has to become our focus and our preoccupation. Catherine Coleman, who was um, like a credible televangelist, had an amazing healing ministry. She's um, with God now. She used to say this, I have died a thousand deaths. She would say to be on this platform, I have died a thousand deaths. All I have to offer him is my love. That's what she used to say. So in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 6, that's one of the books that tells the stories of Jesus' life, Jesus spoke to a crowd of people who were going after the stuff, the food, the money, the clothings, the belongings. And Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek the kingdom of God when we've got some time left over or seek the kingdom of God um, once I've fitted it in around a few other things. You don't understand. I have quite a, a busy and high-powered life. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And then basically, it's like a load of stones in a jar. Except God is the jar and is the water. But you know, like you can put, they put the big stones in first and the little stones will fit round it. And if you put the little stones in, there's not enough room for the big stones. That type of thing. So how are you doing in this? How are we doing in this seeking first the kingdom of God? If you're not sure, this is what you need to do. You need to make a timesheet for the week and you look, need to look at your bank balance and what you spend your money on. And then you have this often a quite uncomfortable moment. Does it look like in my life God is first? What your life, Chris, I mean, you're a, like a vicar thing, right? Of course God's first in your life. You'd be surprised. So, how much time are you spending investing in your relationship with God like deliberately compared to looking at say I don't know social media or the news see if you want to see things how the world sees them just keep looking at the information the world's feeding you because if that's if that's our main source of input I, I'm I mean it's not that I don't care what Chris Whitty has to say about COVID I'm much more interested in what God has to say about COVID. Way more interested. I mean, whatever you do or don't think of Boris, it's not the gospel according to Boris. 
They're all just running around doing their best to understand this thing that never caught God out. It's not from him. But he hasn't gone, oh my goodness, oh Gabriel, <gasps> what are we going to do? And Gabriel says, it's all right, we're putting heaven in lockdown. Don't panic, we're all just going to sit and do nothing for six months and then vaccinations. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness I got you, Gabriel, God says. Um, okay, so anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a graph, you'll like this graph. Down the left-hand side, in order, it says social media, news, TV and hobbies, work, worship, podcasts, Bible, and circle. That's a small group if you happen to be part of a small group. I've got a title for this graph. It's entitled, I'm just not feeling it with God at the moment. That's the title of the graph. I'm just not feeling it with God at the moment. This is amount of time spent on different things. I cannot even count the number of people who say this to me. Or something like, I'm not feeling it with God at the moment. Oh, I just feel disconnected. Oh, I just feel, oh, I just feel, oh, I just feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even that I don't care. They feel like that. I have not yet found a person who feels like that. And when I ask them how their graph is looking, that their graph doesn't look like that. If those bottom four things represented my marriage or our marriages and that's how much time we gave to our marriages and then six months later you're like, oh, do you know, I'm, I'm just not really feeling it with my husband or wife anymore. I, I think we've, here it goes, grown apart. I think we've grown apart. I think that's what it is. I know this is really uncomfortable, and I'm sorry. If you want to tuck your toes in, then I'll stop treading on them. Um, but the thing is, this is how it works with God as well. And I am not speaking to you as someone who's got it fixed. I'm really not. Sometimes my graph can look a bit like that graph. And I think, oh, do you know, I'm just not feeling close to God at the moment. Why aren't I feeling close to God at the moment? And then I effectively work back through my last five, seven, 10, 14 days. And think, how much time have I actually spent just reading the Bible and enjoying it and saying, God, speak to me? How much time have I actually pushed away from my desk or turned the telly off or something and just chosen to worship? How much time? Oh, I, I sing along in the shower sometimes. Sure, but you know, it's uncomfortable stuff. I was at Bible college a number of years ago. And I've told this story before, but it, it bears retelling. And we used to have an eight o'clock service thing every morning. And basically it was just singing nonstop worship basically for an hour. Um, I, got, I ended up playing keys sometimes, but on this particular occasion I wasn't, I was at the Bible college. And you had basically have one whole hour and at eight o'clock they'd say, off you go. And then you just start singing and worshiping. You know, the band weren't even up. It didn't matter about the band. They'd always say, it doesn't matter about the band. It's what's in your heart that counts. Yeah, true, yeah, 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 you know. And one morning, um, I was tired. That was all, I was tired. And so I was just stood there. And to be honest, I really wasn't very engaged. I had the right to not be engaged because I was tired. And I wasn't very engaged. There were about 100 people in this room. And then one of the leaders of the Bible college came, and came up the aisle. I happen to be in the aisle seat. Anyone who knows me, I'll sit in an aisle seat if I can. Anyway, came up behind me 
and just stood in slightly behind me and said, God not worthy of your praise this morning? He nearly heard some words that he might not have heard in a while and I did everything I could to hold them in and I let them out outside. And I was annoyed with him and do you know why I was annoyed with him? Because he was right. So what if I'm tired? He is worth even my tiredness. It was very uncomfortable. See, God longs to have all of us, every part. Jesus died on the cross to make a way to the Father and to, to establish what's called a new covenant. And God said, I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and instead give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit in you. See, this is prophesied in the Old Testament before God lived in anybody. He came upon people and God actually inhabited the temple. And he said, this isn't working having an external temple. I'm going to put the temple in here. But he said, I'm going to need a watertight relationship in order to be able to do this. So he said, I'm going to establish a covenant. And for those of you who have ever taken communion or read the bit of the Bible around taking communion, it talks about, I will, this is the blood of the new covenant Okay, that's what it talks about. That's what Jesus is saying. Through this blood, there has to be death for there to be a covenant established. It's just one of the rules. But it's this. Look at this. All of me in return for all of you forever. That's the deal. God puts it on the table, says, over to you. I can't do any more. I've done everything, literally everything I can do. It's like da 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 Maybe you didn't hear me. Da, 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 da. This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing over and over, saying, I've done everything. There's nothing more I can do. I have made a way. All you have to do is believe, cleave to, trust, rely on, have faith in my son, Jesus. And I'm, I want all of you, and in return, you're going to get all of me. And this lasts forever. And this is a binding agreement because there has been blood shed. There has to be blood shed for there to be a covenant. And Jesus said, make it my blood. And this is what's on the table. It's amazing. It's an incredible offer. If we are to find this depth of life, there has to be this need to, to die and be born again. We're dead. We've, I've read the book, Dead Men Walking. We're dead. The Bible says in Galatians, it's not in the notes, but Galatians um, chapter 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. If you said yes to Jesus, there is a kind of a crucifixion happens. There's like a death that happens. That's what baptism is. Death, new birth, into the water, death, new birth. We see in this passage here, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, I love that, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. Basically, he's made a way for us to be able to reconnect with him, and he's given us a job to do. He's given us the ministry of reconciling others to him what an exciting prospect that is so as we begin this series we have this tagline living life 
to the full. And if we are to do just that, as Jesus promised, then there is an unmistakable cost. And Jesus never shied away from telling us, this is going to cost you your life. So does this mean that we all have to work harder? No, it's not working harder. Some people say, you don't understand, Chris. I already work hours. And Sure, honestly, I do. And I'm not saying you've got to give more time. I'm not saying that. That's not what Jesus is saying either. It's this. It's not a question of effort. You don't know how hard I'm trying. He does. I don't. He does. It's a question of focus and priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. All these other things will be added to you. So, let's stand. If you're at home, join us in standing. We're going to wrap up in just a couple of minutes. So here's a question. Maybe just close your eyes. But here's a question for you while you've got your eyes closed. What changes could you make to lean back into him? to ensure he is first in your life. You haven't got to upend your whole life, even just one change. Just let the Holy Spirit whisper to you right now. And just while you've got your eyes closed, in preparation for this yesterday, I got to the end and I'd gone through it a few times and I I said to God, is there anything else Is there anything else you want to say? I felt God say this. It is time to shake off COVID and get back in the game. I promise you that I am with you and we have adventures ahead. You will see things beyond even your wildest dreams. Come back. Draw near to me. Thank you, God. While there may be a physical Lockdown in some places, God, the lockdown of us is over. The fog of COVID lifts. That God, we will not be a people who sit around, locked in, shut down, waiting for a vaccine. You don't tell us to be reckless. But God, you have not stopped speaking, not stopped working. We feel your invitation to invite us closer. Thank you, God. And if anyone here has never said yes to him, then wow, today, what a great day to do it. Then just come and find one of us at the end. We would love to pray with you and give you that opportunity just to say yes to him. I promise you, honestly, is the best decision you will ever make. Thank you so much for joining us in the room, joining us online as well. Keep in touch. We will all be, we're trying to ring you all actually. You get a phone call off one of the pastors in the next few weeks, so look out, be ready. Uh, It'd be great just to connect with you all. Anyway, love to all. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.